Before you dive into this exciting episode, I'd like to let you know about the Squash Playbook, your tactical blueprint for success. The playbook is written based on the most common solutions I have given to the people I coach over the last 20 years. It is the ultimate how-to guide for any squash fan, and you can grab a free copy right away by visiting squashplaybook.com or clicking on the link in the show notes. Are you freaked out by that hard-hitting hacker? Frustrated with running out of ideas against the relentless retriever? Want to close out matches more clinically when in the lead? Or do you need some mental tools to overcome bad calls by referees? These answers plus many more have been brought together all in one place for the squash community. The Squash Playbook is a practical toolkit that breaks down over 40 scenarios that are most commonly faced on the court. Each scenario provides the psychology and the strategy needed to get a positive result. Each chapter wraps up with the top six key points to keep things simple and practical. The aim of the book is to transform reactive players into proactive tacticians. I focus on breaking down complex situations into straightforward, effective strategies for those high pressure moments in a match. So why not grab your copy now and step onto the court next time with a clear head and a set of strategies to win those matches you know you're capable of. Please enjoy the show. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey everyone, how you doing? Hope everyone's keeping good and well and got a positive mindset about things. So I'm welcoming Sarah Jane Perry to the Squash Mind podcast series in this episode. We have had to split the episode into two parts. We got into such a great conversation, got into some real depth about her mindset and really analyzed almost match by match her very recent success in the Black Ball Open in Egypt, where it was her first World Tour title gold uh, event. And she just played a phenomenal tournament. Everything came right. So you're in for a real treat in this one, I believe. And just really getting into the the, the deep mindset about how she felt she won and all her training up to, up until this point. But um, Sarah Jane is currently the English number one lady on the PSA term. She hails from Birmingham in the UK and she turned pro in 2011. As a junior, she ended up winning the European Under-19 title as well as the British Under-19 title in 2009. And she currently has two senior British national titles. If we fast forward a little bit, in 2013, she was part of the successful England ladies team that won the European Championships. But later in 2013, she unfortunately had to miss the remainder of the season due to a back injury. Uh, she was also part of the successful England ladies team winning the World Championships in 2014 in Niagara, which was phenomenal considering the Egyptian opposition and one of her highlights of her career. She got selected for Team England and debuted at the Gold Coast 2018 Commonwealth Games, where she won a silver medal in the individual event, um, you know, reaching the final and eventually just losing out to Joelle King in that final. Even more recently, as I've just mentioned, she won the Black Ball title, and it's just so great to understand what she went through and the emotions all around it. And she's also reached a career high of number five in the world and has so far recorded 11 tour titles. 
Uh, me for one, I'm really interested to see how she does when she gets back at it, when uh, tournaments progress and she hit a real good vein of form. And this discussion, as I said, gets split into two parts because we go into so much detail in the first part around the black ball event. And then in the second part of the interview in the chat, we get a lot more into some of the practical things that she did for her mind, for her mental state, how she's cultivated this and how she looks like she's setting herself up for some real, real big wins in the near future. And, you know, a very interesting route she took. She she went the university route. At one point, it sounded like she wasn't going to pursue squash as a career. And, and look at her now, number five in the world. So I'm sure there are going to be a lot of things for you to extract out of this conversation a lot of key bits that might resonate with you as players and I really hope you enjoy because I certainly did this two-part conversation with Sarah Jane Perry. SJ, how's it going? Welcome to the Squash Mind podcast series. Hi Jesse, thanks for having me. Uh, really excited um, to, to join you and uh, hopefully have some good uh, discussion. Totally. Uh, thanks. Thanks for, you know, replying really quickly. I reached out to you um, a little bit of a passion project of mine during this lockdown period to to interview high performers, to try get uh, under the skin and into the mind, so to speak. That sounds a bit gory, but um, to, to try understand what's going on. So I would like to cast your mind back as 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 a junior it sounds like as a junior you're you're an all-round sportswoman you you did a whole bunch of sports sounds like hockey was a real big thing so how do you think this may have helped your your squash uh, like going to an adult yeah absolutely I played kind of all sports growing up um whatever was on offer at school particularly um as well as um squash and tennis as well my dad used to play both um just at club level so we started playing both of those um when I say we I mean me and my brother I've got twin brother um so we started at the same time when we were about five we started going to mini tennis um and to uh, the local squash club which was a small really small members club um on a on an estate in certain cold field called uh, four oaks uh, which is which is still there cute little members club but we started just going down to the junior coaching there which was kind of run by volunteers uh so we started playing squash and tennis that way but I also like I said played a lot of sports school uh primary school I loved um rounders netball uh football and cricket I used to play all of those for the for the school team um unfortunately as you as you get a bit older the football and the cricket side um the girls stopped being able to play with the boys and right. I didn't actually want to go and join a club um for those so uh that's you know when I when I kind of stopped playing those two <laughs> uh, and then went off to secondary school and I was lucky enough that my my local school um my local secondary school was uh just had just become a sports college at the time and so just had a lot of money invested in the sports facilities so they had a brand new uh, sports hall and small gym and a fantastic uh, brand new AstroTurf as well. Um, so we were able to play sport even outside throughout the whole uh, winter, no matter what, really. Only a few times was it too, too icy to actually play on there. That's when I sort of started playing hockey. Um, mm -hmm. And I think hockey sort of took over from netball. I sort of got a bit Got a bit bored and disillusioned with netball, but hockey was um, hockey, hockey became a real passion of mine really quickly. Probably, probably I took to it quite quickly because the hand-eye coordination. Right. Um, and then you know I was encouraged to join a join a hockey club by by my school teacher, which I did, um, and also um, started just doing athletics at school as well. Mm -hmm. uh, and is, again, was encouraged by my uh, PE teacher to join a club for, for that also. So I think at the age of maybe about 13 or 14, I was playing, I was playing squash. I was still playing tennis for the, my junior teams at the club. I was throwing discus um, at like, you know, national, at sort of national level. And I was playing hockey for the county as well. So it was getting pretty, it was getting pretty hectic and pretty busy. And, um, but I just loved 
being in the team. I think, mm. uh, well, you know, one thing I will say is I think as I, I wasn't a particularly confident um, child. Mm-hmm. Well, when I was sort of that age as young teenager, and I think that was how I liked to, you know, that's how I enjoyed expressing myself. And I think it was also how I felt it kept, felt like I was very uh, vulnerable to kind of bullying and things like that. And I think actually the, just that bit of kind of respect that some of the other kids had for me in a sporting perspective, mm-hmm. um, meant that I was just just protected from that a little bit not completely but Jeez. certainly from from some people which I think I think it's how how I sort of um started started at that age I guess developing my my own voice but right I just you know just in essence just love love the art of the, each one of them sort of separately and they, they were different challenges but um mm. But yeah, I enjoyed I enjoyed them all at that time, and it was hard to kind of pull back <laughs> on any of them. Yeah, so so that leads me into into the next bit of query is is why and when and how did you then gravitate towards squash? Because it sounds like you love the team environment, you found an identity there. Uh, thank you for sharing. You know, talking about your younger years about possibly being bullied and and having those difficulties. So I'm interested to 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 see why squash took over and when it took over. One moment that always sticks in my mind is um, just like before that age, actually, I think I was, um, I say I was, I think I was 11. Um, and I went to, I still, at this point, I was playing mostly tennis and tennis and squash at like, actually out of school. And I went to the Warwickshire tennis championships, entered those. And Warwickshire is a very strong tennis county. And I was, I was playing two or three times a week you know for fun really mm-hmm. um and all these other kids really were playing eight or nine times a week uh not but not necessarily for fun so <laughs> I went <laughs> I went off to the uh Warwickshire Tennis Championships and I think I lost like six love six one in wow. the first round and then I entered the plate I think I lost six love six one again so that was pretty disheartening and then literally the next weekend I went to the Warwickshire Squash championships um in the you know played in the under 13 age group it was at uh Coven North Warwick squash club still remember that and um I came it was around Robin and uh I came third out of four okay the girl that won the the girl that got to the final of the tennis also won the squash um <laughs> <laughs> but I came third out of four which meant I was in the team and nice. that was you know, that moment and it was it was a real high and low moment because then uh, then I was told about the um, handmade green skirt that I was going to have to wear to wow. could I measure up for that? Wow. Which obviously, like at the time, I was um, very much a tomboy and would not wear a skirt. <laughs> and I think so. I think I was kind of had this elation at making the team. Um, and then I, th- I think I might have even cried at the prospect of wearing the skirt. Um, it just seems ridiculous now. But at the time, I, I was adamant I was not wearing any skirts, and my mum was my mum was fully behind me. Like, yeah, no ways. <laughs> um, so I can't remember if I I can't remember if I wore the skirt or not in the end. But um, I think that was that was kind of a bit of a yeah. I enjoyed that making the team and. Okay. Um, even though I hadn't actually particularly succeeded, I'd won one match, I think. I'd actually, you know, I'd succeeded in making a team and I got to go and tell my uh, friends at school that I was in the county squash team. <laughs> nice. Uh, I think so, that so was, the prospect, yeah. the prospect of, of wearing a skirt still managed to direct you towards squash. Like you saw through that and, and put that aside for a bit and, yeah. and persisted. Um, and, and, and just building on from that, did... Did you find uh, more of an identity within squash then? And, and, and did you start to grow that side of you? And, and you felt that that was where you were more comfortable? Can you speak on that for a bit once you had got into that team and, and how that then blossomed? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I was, being, I was being coached by Steve Townsend at the time and he um, was always very encouraging of like, basically playing how I enjoy playing, mm-hmm. which I think is really important. Um, and so I kind of found like I was able to, um, like you said, maybe find that bit of identity through squash. 
in um, how I played. Um, wasn't a, wasn't necessarily able to control my emotions on court all the time. Mm -hmm. um, I was kind of very angsty sort of young teenager, but I was able to actually you know, feel like I was in control of something mm -hmm. and um, put my, I guess, put my energies into, into something as well. And I think the more people sort of talked about how they didn't, not not necessarily didn't like the way I played squash, but didn't think it was the way that the English way of playing squash or, mm -hmm. oh, like, why would you do that? That's that's not the right shot or anything like that. Well, and, you know, I'd be going, well, they've gone, they've gone to the back corner and it's in the front corner. Why is it not the right shot? You know, okay. of course it's the right shot. <laughs> nice. um, so I think I, and I think I also just enjoyed the, the mental, the mental physical challenge of trying to nest, like overcome an opponent who was quite likely physically better than me because I was slow and couldn't really move very well, but trying to overcome an opponent that was, you know, going to, going to get more, be able to run better by um, how I hit the ball and where I hit the ball. And I think that was, that's, that's still something that uh, I carry through today. Um, hopefully I'd move a lot slightly better than when I was 12, but um, that's <laughs> definitely, think so. that's, See, think, think that's definitely, something I still enjoy. Nice. Yeah. Well, seeing how you performed in the last uh, month or two in particular, and, and we'll get into that at, at some point, but I, I love that idea. And, and again, I'm maybe theorizing here a little bit, but, but a lot of what I researched is this, you know, sampling a lot of sports as a junior, having a wide range and actually borrowing from the other sports, whether it be decision-making, whether it be movement aspects, whether it be mentality and how that can lend and fold into your main sport. And it's, it's really interesting of you to say that physically you might not have been able to compete, but mentally and the way you're able to almost not go against the system, but but to say, hey, no, this is my identity and this is the way I want to play. And for you to then meet Steve, who I've got a lot of respect for and, and really just love spending time with him, to hear that voice, just to turn for someone like him to turn around and say, hey, listen, play your identity, I think is, is a really powerful message because if your environment was different or you had a different coach that was saying a different thing, you might not have resonated as much to that. But that also leads me on to your, your home life, I suppose. You sound like quite a home bod. You, you're currently living in Kenilworth and you, you've grown up and, and lived there most of your life. How can you reflect on, you know, your your overall well-being mentally and your mental toughness being at home and being in Kenilworth for, for most of your career? Yeah, I do. I do love Kenilworth. Um, so, I've, yeah, like I said, I started playing at four rates, but we moved to Kenilworth not too much long, not too much after that when I was eight. Um, mm -hmm. So I've lived here or like not very far away now for um, a number of years since then. And I said I was like I was lucky enough that Steve just happened to you know he's a Warwickshire Warwickshire boy but from Nuneaton but he just happened to come and take the coach job at Kenilworth so you know that was um, a very lucky thing but I was still a very um, active member of the club at Kenilworth you know the club um, that you know that means a lot to me I have a lot of loyalty and uh, gratitude to to the club they still have the same volunteers down every Saturday morning for junior coaching that were when I was there um, which is ridiculous um, but they're absolutely fantastic you know the enthusiasm for squash was passed on you know one of the things that's passed on to me um, but from a kind of this area wise I think it's always been a kind of rich squash history in Warwickshire as a county um, where Jonah chose you know, he he based himself at the West Warwick Club for for years. Um, there was a, a club just down the road from me here in Leek Wooten that was used for um, many a many a national junior national squad and things like that, which unfortunately is no longer there. But um, I think you know, I grew up with a kind of network of clubs, um, and I really you know I really enjoy that. And I we still sort of obviously not in the current times, but you know sort of a gent you know gentleman's agreement between the clubs of going just you know if you invite someone over from another club just come and play here and I'll come and have a game with you next time and I, I really like that sort of camaraderie and just it's a good standard as well mm -hmm. so um earlier on in my career I did consider moving 
away from this area to somewhere where um, maybe there was an actual, so at the time I think they were going to set up, uh, actually have the academy squad set up in Manchester mm. on a daily basis. Um, and whilst I do go up to Manchester quite a bit and get a lot out of that, I actually, I enjoy, I enjoy too much being around my family and being able to, um, and my friends here. So I think it's been important to me to find, find the right setup, which for me includes, includes living in Kenoa because mm. for, for a couple of years, I sort of lived, um, on the, on the edge of, on the edge of Coventry, which is only five miles away, but <laughs> wow. it really, it, it really didn't like, it, it didn't feel right. I just love, I just love living in Kenoa. And yeah, my, my club here is, is I can walk to I can walk to the club if I want. It's just the other side of Kenworth, you know, it's mm. it's a, well, it's probably a 40 minute walk or you know, five less than five minute drive. But I've also got good access to the motorways and things. So it's actually well placed for, for everything else. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm when I where I train with Rob now at the West Warwickshire Club is 20, 25 minutes away. I can get to the English Institute of Sport in Birmingham in 40 minutes. Mm. You know, the uh, Man- Manchester's a couple of hours drive, but mm-hmm. you know, um, everyone loves the M6. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, lots of. I think there's. Um, I think you just there's there's no right or wrong place to yeah. be based. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of players that have proved that you've yeah. got someone you've got someone like Diego who basically just played his dad for years, mm-hmm. um, but then you've got people who come out of. Um, Big, like almost like academies and things like that so yeah. or like in Malaysia they all try to tend to train together and mm-hmm. um, big hubs in like Pontefract as well and places mm-hmm. like that and those work those work well and um, for a lot of players but I think for me um, I found a really good 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 balance and everything nice like here it sounds like that that also part of that environment is is yes accessing good squash, but but correct me if I'm wrong, but arguably it's about relationships, it's about people close to you, it's about connection with friends and family close, and and it sounds like that really lends itself to your your mental well being and ultimately your mental toughness uh, on the court. W- would you say that that's quite a big part of also you being based there? Is that that connection with people? Absolutely, yeah. I just yeah, I love the fact that I can go. I can do my training in the morning and if I want to go and um, see my mum for lunch um, then I can go yeah I can go for lunch with my mum or I can go and meet my friend and go for a walk mm-hmm. um, yeah I've got all of I've got all of those options and um, yeah I also enjoy the fact that sometimes if I'm um, having a you know having a slightly lighter day or I've finished my training early for the day I can um, my godson goes to school literally across the road from my house i can go and i can go and grab him from you know i can go and pick him up from school and his little you know his little face lights up or i can go to pop to the park with my other friend and her two kids you know Mm. um it's it's that i really enjoy that and that's i think for me it's that being able to switch on and off and that that bit in between is really important um and um just you know i think for me those connections with my with my family and friends are the you know the most important bit for, for that yeah like the more i'm looking into into mental toughness and look we, we're completely aware of this pandemic and and they say you know the the lack of connection with people it, it could be the biggest um drain on the health resources in time to come you know they like um Dr. Rangan Chatterjee, he's got a great podcast and he talks so much about connection with people and yeah, becoming older myself, you know, very driven as a youngster and even driven now, but yeah, con- connection with people. And, and when you talk about that and, and when we had a brief discussion before this podcast, that that really came through and, and some of the research I've done on you about being at home and having that connection. So yeah, thanks for sharing. And hopefully people that hear that this, you know, maybe as, as a youngster, if I had heard that a little bit more, it would have maybe shaped me a little bit differently. So yeah, I, I massively resonate to it. So fast forwarding a little bit to 2018, um, Commonwealth Games, you got the silver medal, you reached the final, uh, fantastic achievement. I would just love to hear your story around the whole experience, the events, how it all went, because it does sound like it was one of the pivotal moments in your career to date. Can you expand on, on how it felt and the whole experience around that event? 
yeah, the Commonwealth Games um, in 2018, I think, you know, it'll, I think at Lords Bethune is kind of a bit of a pivotal moment in my career. Um, I was the non-travelling reserve for Glasgow, uh, which I wasn't very happy about. <laughs> uh, I, I felt very, very hard done by. And um, I think from that moment, in, of not being picked for that one, I was determined to not only get picked, make sure I, you know, make sure there wasn't a choice whether I was picked for the next one. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, um, that I was going to kind of put my put my stamp on it, put my mark on it as well. And um, I think, I'd, you know, I've been doing um, pretty well going into the going into the games, and just I think everything was geared towards that. And um, I think it was, I was, you know, I'd never been to, I'd, I'd been to the World Games before, but we didn't actually stay in the village. We stayed in a hotel and played at a venue. So it was very much like almost like a normal tournament. Just, I think one day we got the bus and went to the food hall in the main bit. Like, you know, it was <laughs> um, a bit of a flash experience, that one. Um, so I was really conscious of not wanting to be overawed mm-hmm. by the occasion, by the um, amount of people, well, athletes there, but also like some of the athletes that you might see <laughs> um, who you know you kind of idolize, I guess, and you only normally get to see on uh, on Instagram. Uh, so that was that was really at the front of my mind. Um, so I think I was just really trying to, um, I guess, focus all my energy on, um, I guess, taking in, taking in the atmosphere, but not getting overawed by it, and just enjoying it, and like you know, really kind of, I guess, living in that moment and for that moment, um, and. Yeah, as I went through the jaw, I think I just got a little bit more and more confident and was, yeah, I think, I don't think there's very few tournaments where I can think of that I was, you know, as focused right. uh, on what I was doing as that one mm-hmm. and just really confident in what I was doing. Nice. As well. Can 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 you, well, it's, I, I just want to pick up on something you said there, which is, which is a huge thing in, in, in the sporting field and trying to foster mental toughness is it sounds like you really stayed in the process you you were really in the moment and and trying to stay there and absorb as much as you can so it sounds like obviously it was a huge event and you can get overawed with all the athletes but you were really keeping yourself in that moment can you can you expand on on where that came from why you did this did you work on this prior to the event itself probably i can't i can't 100 remember right now to be honest um it's it is quite like yeah I've I've been working with um the the same the same sports psychologist now for a, a number of years so um I I have no doubt that we would have uh, spoken <laughs> we would have spoken about that but I think um it would have been you know for a, a couple of years trying to think what when it was when it was now um it would have been a couple of years before that I. Spent a year working with um, with Sue with Sue Wright now okay. Sue Rose, um, and I think a lot of a lot of that year it was that was a really important year for me about also well not only about building kind of just instilling a lot of discipline in more discipline into my training right. but also about um, building in kind of process process mindset um of you know focus on the process and the 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 outcome will happen or you know the outcomes are a lot more likely to happen um but you obviously can't control the outcome mm-hmm. you can only control the process and that's something we spent an awful lot of time on um both both with sue and um with the psychologist um you know they um they know each other as well so 
Um, it was sort of like uh, you somewhat time to do sessions with all three of us. And mm -hmm. I think that really helped. So I think particularly from working with Sue onwards, I've yeah. become a lot more process driven, mm -hmm. uh, which has definitely, definitely helped along with the um, increased level of, of uh, discipline and things. Mm -hmm. So I can't remember, I, you know, I can't put my finger on anything exactly I was doing before, but I think when you've got that long to build up to an event, <laughs> I think, you, you, you know, you've got a lot of time to, um, I guess, sculpt in your mind mm -hmm. how your, what your approach is going to be, what your mindset's going to be. Um, and obviously there's things that can change that just before, during, whatever, but um, the more of the possibilities you've considered and um got an action plan for i guess then you know the the less likely they are to uh put you off that track um and that's you know something that now sort of built into as many scenarios as possible sure i'm, I'm really looking forward to unpacking that a little bit later because because there's a few interesting questions i, I want to get into and it, again it's been a, a massive goal of mine to to try and expose this process and this concept more to players especially at a younger age uh you know it's great to have a, a goal and that goal can point you in the right direction but it's more about getting wrapped up in those daily processes that take mm -hmm. you step by step towards that goal so i'm gonna get curious with you about some of those processes at some point uh, fast forwarding a little bit more to something that happened really recently uh, again I, I think you're obviously super proud of this but the black ball open uh, an, an amazing title that you got uh, in Egypt in December so I had a little look you're on court for a total of 284 minutes which is just shy of five hours over the course of five matches so pretty much an hour match um, but it was it was really fascinating where it started it started with a first round match against Emily Whitlock and you got an 11-9 tight win in the fifth so I'm really curious for you to take us through, if you can remember, pretty much match by match and, and what, what you thought happened and how it went. And, you know, getting through that first round against Emily 11-9 in the fifth, you know, if we were to ask you right after that match, I, I can imagine there was still some belief that you'd go and win the tournament. But, you know, the odds might have been slightly stacked against you. So could you start with Emily and then progress us through the tournament and how it, how it felt for you and then ultimately coming out an amazing victor at the end of it? Absolutely. I think uh, that was, a, I think the match with Emily, it was really, it was a really odd match because I felt like I was definitely in control of pretty much every rally and <laughs> most of the match. Um, there was a few, there was a few times I just kept playing the wrong shot at the wrong time. Um, and there was a few. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. There wasn't many calls in the whole match, and you know, I was I got frustrated only brief, like you know, I, I got frustrated at the ones that did go against me because they were at such crucial times, but. You know, I didn't actually um, feel like they affected me going forward. Um, and, uh, I, you know, I think when I came off him, I was, I, was, I was a bit kind of, I didn't really know how I felt because I felt like I'd sort of controlled most of the match and I'd come off and I've won 11-9 in the fifth. And I felt like, you know, it, yeah, I could have come off. I think I had a, I had a lapse of concentration at the end of the second. Mm -hmm. which was which is poor which is which was you know I knew was poor but then I came back on in the third and played a really good game um so at the same time you know I did, there was some really good stuff in there and there was some just some little mental um lapses but I think there was two 
ones which are made for a few rallies and it wasn't mm -hmm. you know they weren't big but mm -hmm. the first one cost me the second game right and that, and and that was Emily's Emily's style is is quite it, it breaks the game up a lot doesn't it she loves to take the ball into the front and it's harder to get a bit of a rhythm so yeah like you said it, it was maybe a strange match because it was a, a five setter and it was um 55 minutes so you know not the longest amount of time for a five setter um and and, and then when you had finished that match and got through it where, where was your mind for the rest of the tournament at that point it was actually, it was in a really good place, to be honest. I mean, I spoke to, I spoke to Rob after my coach, after the match, and he just said, look, like, you could have won the second, um, and then you'd have come off and you'd, you'd have won, you know, free no. love, and you'd be like, great, good mm -hmm. day's work. Um, and I think I was a bit, um, you know, I was a bit unlucky at the end of the fourth as well. So he said, actually, you could have been four love up and you were two all, you know? Um, and he's, you know, he's really good at, He's really good at um, making those observations, and he's not someone that would just say that. Um, I don't know. I don't know if you've if you've uh, had many conversations with Rob, but he's not someone that just says something unless he actually thinks it. Um, so I think that means when he does say something, I take it. You know, I take it with a lot of heed um, and have a lot of you know a lot of respect for for him and his um, outlook on the squash as well. So actually, you know, after that match. He said, "Look, you're hitting the ball well. Um, you're moving. You're moving well. You just made a few poor shot choices at the wrong times. A mm -hmm. um, couple of little lapses of concentration. That was all. You yeah. know, there's nothing. There's, there's nothing to worry about. And it was even though it's five. Like I said, even though it's five games, physically you're fine. It wasn't like it was brutal. Mm -hmm. You're good. To, you know, you're good to go tomorrow." <laughs> And then you, the next two rounds, not, not that they're easy by any stretch, but you got through Joshna in four games and then you beat Camille Serm in four games after that. So, you know, Joshna, you seeded to win 41 minute, looked look relatively convincing, but then coming across Camille and you, we all know Camille, you know, ridiculous athlete, just puts everything on the line every match. Yeah, for you to get her off in 40 minutes with a pretty convincing 3-1, can you can you talk on this match a bit and, and how you think you were able to achieve such a high performance in this one? I don't have it, although I don't have a particularly great record on paper against me, I think a lot of those were like, I think I lost the first nine times we played um, and it was almost like I was really just catching up in level. Um, and I think since then it's been a lot more even. Okay. Uh, and I always, I always have that kind of in the back of my head that I know if I play well and the right way that mm -hmm. she doesn't enjoy playing it because she's a rhythm player, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, and when I play well, my game is to break up people's rhythm. Mm -hmm. um, so I know that I know that from the off, but I think, um, <coughs> excuse me, um, I went out with a plan, and in the first game that plan did not happen and did not work one bit and actually I was I was very lucky to get the one point that I did um at at 10 at 10 love I got a, I got a stroke which they could have quite easily given us a no let because there was a lot of dodgy backspin on that ball mm. um big frame from her my tight my one tight drop for the game but actually it just I just I just laughed and I think I, pro I probably deserved to lose that game 11 love um <laughs> Actually, then I lost the next point anyway. It was 11-1 and it's five minutes. Um, and, you, yeah, you come up and I think a lot of people had kind of written me off at that point. But, mm -hmm. again, I go back to something that, obviously, Rob didn't say it to me in that match because there's no communication at all. But I lost a game in the World Championships a few years ago in Manchester. I lost the first game 11-1 to Joel King. And... Going back to me, what you just thought, right? What he said to me at that moment was, "You've lost the game. You could have lost. You could have lost it 2018. <laughs> like it doesn't matter what you've lost. It you've lost the game." And I said, and the other thing I said to myself was actually, like, if you're going to lose a game, the best way to lose a game is to take nothing out yourself physically and lose it in five minutes. Um, and also, she's got absolutely no read on what's going on. She's got no. It's not like she's into a into any. If I go on and start actually playing squash, she's not got any any read on that or in any rhythm or anything. So I just went back on and I just decided to start. I think yeah, I was trying to control the pace 
of the ball too much and I was just patting it around. So I just went on and decided to actually release my arm, start hitting through the ball and just be ultra aggressive getting onto the ball and try and take it early. And it really, yeah, it really caught her by surprise. Uh, And yeah, I was then really focused on just keeping on going with that and um, keeping the intensity, keeping the pressure on and not, not giving her anything. And um, one of, one of the things that, you know, I was say now is that I'm, I'm okay with making errors. (laughs) I, I'm at a, a very, um calm place where I know that the way when I play my best squash it's attacking squash which okay. means it's going to be errors so actually as long as I've picked the you know if I pick the right shot and I clip the tin I just tell us you know I'm just telling myself to aim a bit higher next time mm-hmm. or if it's the wrong shot telling myself which shot to play next time rather than berating myself which I think is something I've done a lot in the past so um I think that was something I did particularly well throughout the whole tournament at Blackpool um definitely played a played a big part in that match and just that even though I didn't hit many errors after that first game that um I guess just freedom Mm -hmm. in playing and just allowing myself but also backing myself physically is not something that I've always always done either so I think the combination of things just uh really clicked for that match yeah, so it sounds like you're in a, in a sweet spot. And, and thanks for sharing some of that advice. And, and for the younger listeners, that's that's beautiful to hear. You know, the, the tactic you came up with, with with Rob, you know, losing 11-1, doesn't matter. 2018 is, is the same on the scoreboard, isn't it? You know, you've lost that game and, and you regroup and you and you go again. And then the second thing you said about being more comfortable in your skin, you know, maybe your identity is, well, is, I know it, it's strong. You know exactly what you want to play like. And again, it's, it's, it's real good advice to any player out there, I believe, is to be comfortable with your identity, back yourself with it. And it sounds like this is a accumulation of, of, you know, many years of working on your mind and getting into that sweet spot. And yeah, evidence from, you know, 2018 Commonwealth Games and this tournament in particular, it, it, it's all starting to come together nicely. So unpacking it bit by bit is, is just so, so insightful. So if we go to the next match, which is Joel, which is the semi-final, uh, maybe slightly different mindset because now you are arguably seeded to win this. You're the number five seed. She's the number seven seed. Uh, a really tight five-setter with you getting it 13-11 in the fifth. I can't remember. Did you have any match balls against you in that match? Uh, yeah, I think I had I definitely had uh, one, I think. Okay. I think I had one at 11-10. Right. Uh, but I had three before that. Okay. So, <laughs> so yeah, can you, can you talk on the match itself, but also that that yeah. little swing, which is which is again, you see a lot of players, and especially juniors, they they have a couple of match balls, they don't get it, and then they invariably lose matches. And I'm sure it would have happened and might still happen to you. But yeah, interesting to unpack this match and and see where your mindset was at with this one. Yeah, I think um, it started in a similar way to the Camille match. Really, I like never really got into the first game. I was. I wasn't quite um, allowing myself to play and she was, she was on it from the start, which isn't a great combination. Uh, <laughs> and, you, you know, I think, I think the first game is 11-4 or something, 11-5 maybe. Um, and then I you know, started the same, second game the same sort of way. And sometimes annoying, it's really annoying, but sometimes it's just how it is. It takes until my back's against the wall for, right. you know, give myself a kick up the bum and actually just, concentrate on just get really focus on just putting every bit of energy into playing getting the intensity up mm-hmm. for me is really important and uh you know I was definitely down in the second game and then I managed to um get a good run a good run of points from there um and just really almost like refuse to refuse to give up the tea as easily. I think in the first two games, it was all trying to be too too nice, first game and a half, um, trying to be a bit nice and trying to play nice squash. When actually, sometimes for me, the, the best squash isn't the, isn't the best squash to watch, but it's just, I'm getting on the ball early with options and I'm using using my options because that's my that's my weapons. Um, and someone like Charles, so experienced and so um adept at just 
putting things away, putting loose balls away. Mm. <laughs> She'll keep doing that. She'll keep doing that all day. So I had to um, find a way to, I think, I think mentally and physically ramp it up mm. intensity wise. Um, yeah, for me, sometimes that's just put a bit more on the ball, just um, make sure it gets into the corners is, is a good starting place for me. And I think um, what I was then disappointed about was a, I think was that two one up. Yeah, you, you won the next two games, which looked yeah. really tight. Thirteen eleven, thirteen eleven. So you went two one up by winning those, and then you lost the fourth eleven seven. Yeah, and then I was just a bit. I was a bit frustrated. I think in the fourth that I let. You know, she she obviously then has to come out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was just a bit frustrated that I let that intensity drop a, a little bit, and mm-hmm. um, you know, she took every every opportunity that was there again. Mm. Uh, but I think you know I was I did really well in the fifth to come back and get the get the lead and mm-hmm. play some really good squash to get to I think it was ten seven and then for some reason um, it just happens sometimes and I think the the, the more mm-hmm. I play the more I realise just sometimes it just happens um, is I just like I think I just hit three in the I hit one in the I hit one one poor shot choice. Right. Uh, tried to hit both when it wasn't on, when in the middle or bottom of the tin, and then hit two in the floor, um, which <laughs> I hardly like. I don't even go hit one in the floor match, then hit two in the floor, and all of a sudden you're back to ten all, and your advantage is gone. Um, I think what I did well then was regain my sort of positive, um, real positive attitude, mm. and uh, I think that I think I saved the match ball with a. I think it was a backhand body drop, um, but hit really positively. And I think that kind of epitomizes how, how I want to change, you know, how I want to play. So <laughs> that's my sort of um, most um, lucrative, I guess, drop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, I'm, when I'm playing how I want to play, is that backhand volley drop and mm-hmm. backhand drop. So, um, and it's, it's one of those shots now where I know. I commit to it then nine times out of ten it's going to be good um not always a winner but going to be going to be good mm-hmm. and one's going to one one's going to clip the tin probably um because mm-hmm. you're having to go low margins if you're playing at that level so but you've got to back yourself or it's probably going to be six times out of ten it's going to hit the tin and the other four is going to sit up there nicely <laughs> well sure you'd, you'd you'd go to the casino with those odds wouldn't you a nine and one chance of 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 putting pressure on your yeah. opponent you know that's that's completely fine and I'd, I'd like to know what your inner voice was starting to go like you know 10 seven up three points not initially squandered but three match balls given yeah. away you know I've had it and, and multiple players will have it that, that inner voice, like what's going on there. Oh my goodness. I'm in the semi-final and, and, you know, you can have a hundred different things running through your head. Can you expand what was happening in your mind at that point and how you were able to possibly quieten the inner voice and where the focus started to be shifted to? I think the, the first thing that I said to myself is that's gone. You know, they, yeah, they were all the wrong, the wrong shot choice. You didn't commit, and you didn't commit to that. that the t- other two shots, that was the problem. You didn't commit mm-hmm. to them. Um, so I think just making sh- for me, it's then what can I do? What what can I do that is going to get me into the um, mental and physical place that I want to be in? Mm-hmm. So for me, that's get my feet moving, get up on the tee, and look hunt for the ball, mm-hmm. and don't you know that I don't want to think about anything technical I don't you know I don't want to be like oh you've closed your racket face on that because I know if I commit to the shot I'm going to hit it properly so mm-hmm. it's not anything technical I don't want you know if I think about something technical I know it's slow it's going to slow everything down in my brain and mm-hmm. it's not going to be right if I think about anything too tactical it's going to be the same mm-hmm. so for me it's literally it's just about committing to the rally that's going to happen mm. and trying to get the intensity up because that's something I can get up without that I can improve on without affecting um you know positive change without affecting our kind of speed of decision and I play my best wash when I'm not thinking as well so um mm. yeah I've done a lot of work on not trying <laughs> mm. not over trying shall I say 
but generally that for me is not trying like yeah mm. I'm, a, I'm a, a lot of the time you know you get it's easy to get caught up when you think the only thing you can control is trying mm-hmm. uh, and actually that's when <laughs> you need to not try <laughs> Totally. It, it resonates massively that because it, it is a great statement of get out of your own way. Sometimes, you know, you, you've done it for so many years, you know how to hit a ball, you know, what's going on. Do you know what? Just hold my beer and get out of my way because you let yourself do it. And, and I love that. And you also alluded to the fact of control the controllables, you know, that that's a, that's a statement we hear a lot and, and very big on trying to get the mind into that place going, Hey, you know what? I might not be able to win this match still, but I can control those controllables. Like you said, moving up high on the tee, playing at a high intensity getting those feet moving and yeah a really strong powerful message that you've that you've given there and one that I get really excited when I hear players talk about and and it you know it's not going to win you every match of course but it's going to put you in a really good position to give yourself the best chance of winning so an amazing win there 13 11 in the fifth um how are you feeling physically now you know so you've had a few big five setters the finals the next day can you talk on where the mind is at where the body's at and just quickly talk about the other half of the draw you've got some big battles going on there you've got you know norel shabini and and you know we got um the 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 not the wonder kid but but someone who's on real good form hania al hamami you know taking people apart on the top half for the draw you're joining her in the final can you paint a picture of where you are physically and mentally at this point physically I was you know feeling really good um although I'd had you know a few long matches and they'd all been on back-to-back days which is um, a little bit I guess novel because even at a even at a world series you'd normally get a rest day somewhere mm-hmm. um so it's going to be my fifth match in five in five days but I think I was really confident that I'd um, been spot on with my recovery and um, been working with a new nutritionist as well. So, you know, I messaged him after the, after the match and said, you know, this is how long my match was. Mm -hmm. And he said, right, well, you need this much extra carbs, go, go, Mm -hmm. go to town on these um, ASAP. And to the point I was like, force feeding myself a rice crispy squares at a couple of hours after my match because I'd, I'd already had a big bowl of pasta and I was full but you know it I mean he was 100% right because I woke up hungry the next day because <laughs> I because wow. I body was using that much um that much carbohydrates um you know so I think I was just you know so physically I was really happy that I'd got everything spot on and um I was moving, um, you know, as well as I've as well as I've ever moved, which is really important part of uh, my game to challenge to challenge those top girls like like Joelle and then Hania. So, um, and then mentally, um, you know, get any win over over Joelle is fantastic mentally, and to to back up to do that after beating Camille the day before, beat two. You know, I know Joelle might not be not be ranked if I consider her a top five player. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so mentally, really, really positive from that as well. And um, I played I played Hania this at the same tournament in March mm-hmm. uh, semi finals, and I I lost that one three two, but I didn't actually play that well, and I was. Yeah, I didn't feel like I'd hit the ball well for that whole match. Um, but I thought I'd done a didn't feel like I'd hit the ball well, but I thought I did a good job of sticking in there and uh making it making it tough. And I think that's something I've got a lot better at over the years as well. Going, yeah, you can't play your best every day. What you can do is keep trying to play a bit better and if in doubt, run for another ball, keep trying to be like play play awkward, not be awkward, just mm-hmm. make it awkward for them to win rallies by where you're putting the ball um make that one clear but mm-hmm. yeah I, th- I felt like I had a, a really good chance um because I was you know mentally and physically in a really good 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 place going into uh going into that match mm-hmm. 
and yeah, can you, again, sounds obviously preparing for a final that, that might bring a whole bunch of different things to it. Uh, you painted a, a great picture of how you ended your last match getting into the final. Can you talk us through the final itself? Again, another five setter, looking at the scores, you know, it, it sounds like a bit of a common theme here, but you actually lost the first game 4-11 and then actually went 11-9 down in the second. So, you know, two love down. Um, you know, it sounds like you were confident, but 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 were any inner voices starting to pop up, and was there a little bit of doubt coming into your mind? Could you expand on those first two games and how you then switched it back around in your favor? The the first game, I was just really um, struggling to control the ball how I wanted, and I kind of let that drift my focus away from actually just, I guess, the job at hand. And she was, you know gunning for me from the start and uh, same as Joe really just on everything on everything early was flying around on adrenaline she's on a home final mm. absolutely screeching around the court picking up every ball possible um and there's me trying to just hit a straight drive basically and can't even do you know struggling to get my head around that um and then the second game um I played a lot better but it was just didn't quite have, wasn't quite being clinical enough. And um, then, uh, you know, got, really got into the particular second half of that game and could feel like I was just switching the the control um, from her to me a little bit, which is why I think I was so frustrated at the end. But I, I think it was 10-9. I think she hit boast and like someone in the cloud crowd clapped and I was there with loads of time and like and normally you know it just wouldn't even get it wouldn't even like uh, distract me at all but I just you know and I, I mean I wasn't probably playing quite the right shot anyway and then just turn my racket you know just just distracted me and I just turn my racket face over and clip the tin so I think I had that double frustration of that but I think what saved me there was I knew I was I knew I was like grasping a bit of the control and and as well I think she was starting to show a couple of making a couple of errors and just potentially a bit of mental tiredness more than more than physical tiredness as well um so I went on in the third and I said you know even to myself even if you don't even if you don't win this you're going to make it you're going to let her know that uh this is going to be absolutely brutal to get you off court she's not getting you off court like easy um, just because you know a lot, of, you see a lot of times where there's two, or well, even one close game. But you see where there's two close games, the same person wins them, and then the third's easy, or mm-hmm. um, because that that person sort of loses belief. Um, I think even though I wasn't necessarily thinking about winning, I never lost belief that I could win. Mm-hmm. Um, at no point did I ever think that. I think even then, you know, I. I think she gave gave me a couple of errors in that game and then I just pulled away. Um and then in the in the fourth, you know, she comes out again like rejuvenated and it's a bit of a battle. Mm-hmm. She gets to those gets to those match balls. But even at that point, I think 10-8 she was in the fourth. Even at that point, she um she, you know, she thinks she's won then almost. Mm-hmm. I think that's what I see in her body language, but or you know, she's just looking for the the finishing shot whereas I'm I'm not going I'm not trying to avoid you know I'm not going on out there at that point to avoid losing I'm going out there to play the positive aggressive squash that I want to play mm-hmm. again I think that for me thinking about that can do what can I do that positive um that, that positive outlook and just like we said that process yep uh, what can I do? And just going out there and doing that mm. takes away from the outcome and just lets me focus on that. Um, but that's that's massively powerful. You you said something that I just want to pick up on going at no point you thought you were going to lose the match, you said, or, or you, you had such self-belief in what you were doing in that process. And what can you lend that to? Because there's, there's a whole big concept of... of um, 
false positivity and you know you you could get a player walking on corner going yes i'm going to be world champion and you know it's just false positives but there was obviously a genuine belief within that statement you had in your mind could where do you think that spawned from or has that been cultivated over some years as well i think it's it's a bit both really it's i think years and years of i think the other thing in the time that i worked with sue and worked started working a lot more with psychologists was actually banking your wins like and that might not even be matches you've actually won but yeah I see a lot of the younger generation of players that are like oh like I played terribly that was awful I'm like you won free love (laughs) and they're like oh but it was terrible I'm like you won and you played badly well done like you know why are you not giving yourself credit for that (laughs) yeah you can't you can't play perfectly every day and I think or even you know sometimes you play too well and then puts you off for the rest of the match but I think there's that almost, you know, giving yourself the credit when you when you are due it. Um, I recovered myself out of a lot of situations over the years. <laughs> um, I I have I have won I've won from two love down a lot of times in my career. Not that many over the last few years, I think, especially against those top girls. But um, probably even doing it. I did it at the Manchester Open only in September, so it wasn't that long ago. Um, mm. So I, you know, I know I can mentally do it, and even in that, you know, in those previous matches, I was down, like maybe not quite to the same extent, but you know, I always have that belief that if I can just start playing a bit better, and I can, if I can, you know, just keep just keep in this, then um, and keep positive, then you don't know what could happen. Yeah, I might have. At nine, at nine, all in the fifth, I could have hit two errors and it would have been lost. But at least you know I've made a know that it's not over till it's over. And I think that you know if that's important to, I think the more you do that, practice, well, practice that in your matches and things like that as well. The more people have that um, perception of you as well. Um, We all know those, you know that one that one dodgy club player that somehow finds a way to win from any, you know, from, from the dark depths of whatever, whatever down all the time with these dodgy little flicks and everything like that, but they have that reputation. So then you almost, they're almost feared for that. And whilst I'm never going to be, um, you know, able to physically grind out 110 minute matches after uh, one after the other, I think there's there's a lot to be said about um, being resilient in matches and just like keeping keeping it positive and no matter what like no matter what happens just trying to you know this it might be keep going with the same thing mm. it might be having the confidence to change to do something else which I think a, a lot of the a lot of players lack. Mm. Um, and yeah, that's something I've been talking about to the psychologist recently is just because I go on with a plan and doesn't mean that if it doesn't work, I have to kick myself. It means that I'm going to problem solve it and work it out and come up with a better one. Mm. <laughs> Carry so, on with that. Isha, listen, that that last little bit we've just spoken about and analyzing this tournament for, for me has been ridiculously insightful. So thanks so much for going through it bit by bit sharing. There's so many interesting lessons I think people can take out of this. I for one have taken a lot out of it so far. So really appreciate that in-depth analysis of it. No, thank you. I think it's, you know, I think it's something that um, a lot of the time it just looks like we just walk on court and play. <laughs> um, but there's, you know, it's a lot of, thought goes into it, especially at the moment where you've uh, got a lot of time sat in your hotel room so there's a lot of uh, a lot of preparation physically and mentally for for each match presence process persistence the essence of squash mind ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 